0: Welcome to the Historical Wisdom Podcast, where we share stories of health, healing, medicine, and the histories that frame Native American experience, particularly for tribes and Native people in Riverside and San Bernardino counties, California. Each segment will explore different aspects of what historical trauma means to Native American communities and the healthcare providers who serve them. We share this knowledge with you from the perspective that to understand the history and strengths of Native Americans and how policy and institutions of medicine work, we can improve the delivery of healthcare and human well-being. For Chihun Pionki a Gathering of Good Minds project, I'm Juliet McMullen and we share with you historical wisdom. I had the opportunity to talk with Delight Satter. She provides an epidemiological perspective on the high rates of disease that we see in native populations. It was a brief but rich conversation. So let's listen.
1: Good day, this is Delight Satter. I'm Umpqua and Klickitat from the Confederated Tribes of Grand Round in Oregon. And my day job is uh, the senior health scientist for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in the Office for Tribal Affairs and Strategic Alliances. I'm also a member of the board of directors for the Native Research Network, and I'm a founding member of that nonprofit. And, um, you know, my Before, my former life was, excuse me, my former life was director of the American Indian Research Program at the UCLA Center for Health Policy Research, where I had the opportunity to work uh, about 15 years with uh, tribes and urban Indian communities in California and elsewhere, and the great pleasure of working on many research and public service projects with Riverside San Bernardino Indian uh, Health Community.
0: Welcome to the Gathering of Good Minds, the Chihung Piyong Inach podcast. So we're talking with you today about uh, high rates. So a lot of times our physicians, when we talk with them, they say, you know, they haven't they come to work with Indian health and all of a sudden they're seeing all these patients, you know, with diabetes, with, um, chronic diseases, cardiovascular diseases, and then their substance use and the high mortality rates. And they just, they talk about it as never seeing this before in populations. And then you combine that with the statistics that also say, you know, highest rates of diabetes, high rates of cardiovascular disease. And what in this context of trying to understand historical trauma, wisdom, strengths of people, and um, what are we to make of that situation? Right, so if you're working for the first time
1: in the native population as a clinician, uh, it must be overwhelming because your patient population does have high risk and they do have, um, you know, at-risk behaviors and health status that would be off the chart compared to other general populations. So it's true. That's what you're seeing. And uh, that is going on. So then why, right? Um, So there's a lot of reasons why. And they really go back to what I think you'll be talking about with some of your other podcasts in in depth, which are the um, historical... Um, policies and experiences of Native people on purpose by uh, the U.S. government. The roots go back to um, unfair policies. They go back to ethnocide, genocide, uh, that still today, uh, several hundred years later, there are echoes of the experience of the population then. So you'll have things like... um, there will be missing gaps, missing people in the age distribution of the population. And then the population, this is for um, many, um, many who have experienced oppression and colonial oppression, right? Mm-hmm. So entire cohorts will be um, killed, mm-hmm. and there will be some survivors, and then there will be a focus on repopulation. But what happens is the age distribution is off or um, the removal of children into Indian boarding schools. So now your natural age population is off. Of course, it's an interruption of life and culture and knowledge transmission and parenting skills, but also just it interferes with the normal course of... Um, of repopulation, or of population, mm-hmm. of birthing. Yeah. So then we have uh, California tribes that were focused on repopulation, just like tribes in my area in Oregon. So there's a huge loss, it's, and it wasn't just through um, war, mm. uh, ethnocide, genocide. It's also through the 1918 uh, flu pandemic. So many indigenous people died, and so there's this missing cohort of mm. people Um, or not an entire cohort, but a huge loss of people. Um, So then tribal leaders are into pro-birth policies, right? Formal and informal. They want repopulation. Mm -hmm. So now the populations are growing, and you can look at that. You can see exponential growth in Mm -hmm. indigenous populations. Native Hawaiians, too, actually. (laughs) And um, then you'll have a burden, because there's this unusual distribution of age, But the infrastructure itself might not have been built for a huge, like 50% or 55% of the population under age 21. Mm -hmm. And that group is growing right now. They are in the childbearing years, or we might be into two childbearing years later from that experience. Mm -hmm. And there aren't enough older people and elders to play their role and their part. Um, And then what I was thinking about was Indian Health Service the federal agency responsible for the delivery of health care to American Indians and Alaska Natives have undergone a lot of change, too. So since around the 50s, you know, IHS has been the primary federal agency for uh, clinical care delivery, but that has changed so much. There was a focus on infectious disease, and uh, that in some ways shifted into maternal and child health, infant mortality reduction, and still infectious disease, but it wasn't focused on chronic disease. Mm-hmm. Then as the age population shifted and the need grew, then there was some change. But very importantly, in the 70s and 80s, tribes began to um, take on their own health design mm-hmm. and deliver their own health care systems, which they do here in California. Mm-hmm. Um and for other federal reasons, mm-hmm. other, other federal policies, they do that here as Termination well.
0: Termination and... <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and it's a public law 280 state. Yeah. And so it, that's, you know, that's for another podcast. Yeah. But for various reasons, mm-hmm. <laughs> tribes here design and deliver their own programs now. So there are great opportunities yes. for the programs to match the needs of the population. They're, they're nimble and they're able to do that mm-hmm. um, with the right, you know understanding and focus on what communities need and what is the burden. But anyway, so we're back to the burden. Uh, the population does have higher um, chronic disease. These are all linked to hundreds of years of oppression, genocide, ethnocide, huge pandemics, mm-hmm. um, and, and disruption, right, in social life and healthy ways of being, mm-hmm. access to your plants and medicine, access mm-hmm. to all those things we talked about. Um and then, oh, wait a minute. I forgot the other thing we were going to talk uh, about. The aging? Yeah. Okay. And then, <laughs> <laughs> then the other thing I forgot about was uh, aging, because I'm aging. I can't remember. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's these moments, yeah. <laughs> we're living um,
1: it. So, so then we have this different age distribution than a provider would be used to seeing mm-hmm. in their uh, as an intern or whatever in their patient population. Um, But on top of that, um, minorities and Native, Black, and other populations, they experience something called weathering. Mm -hmm. And you only really hear about weathering if you have had some gerontology courses. um, Which there
0: are very few of. Yeah, who
1: does that, right? You've got Mm -hmm. a lot of internists out there who um, haven't had that opportunity in their training Mm -hmm. to learn about um, aging. And so you have this population of native people who are what is called weathering. That means you experience the health effects of the white population or the dominant culture 10 years earlier than you normally would expect to see that. And so doctors will see that and they're wonder, you know, their patient population is so unhealthy um, but honestly, they should be thinking about these people as ten years older, and what should they be screening for? Yeah, what how should they be, um, you know, cooperating with their patients mm-hmm. and talking to them about um, healthy lifestyles or prevention? Yeah, and um, this is so well documented. The experience, like the VA and other federal agencies, allow tribes to when they're applying for federal dollars mm-hmm. to describe the age population of 45 and older as elderly or as, quote-unquote, old. They have these different categories, old, the very old, the old, the old, <laughs> super old. Um, but for Native communities, we get to count anyone over 45 and older um, as uh, aged okay. and experiencing the those health effects of aging. Mm -hmm. Wow. So well-documented, accepted, and Mm -hmm. that's how I think it would help people understand what they're seeing. Yeah. Um, Now, we didn't talk too much about risk behavior, Mm -hmm. but, of course, risk behaviors, drinking, uh, tobacco use, all of that, that's associated with stress and um, life experiences and... I think some of your other guests will talk in depth about some of those, but I certainly agree with all of that. Mm -hmm. And those can be mitigated and those can be um, people can change Uh, on the strength side, which you're looking for when I would analyze the California health interview surveys, quantitative data, I was always trying to get out of the deficit model of just looking at, you know, the glass half empty Mm -hmm. with my uh, data and what, Uh, you would see was of sure native people in California have the highest rates of tobacco use at around 25%. It was then compared to like 14%, about twice the rate of the non Latino white population. And so you think, my goodness, this, the state's programs are not um, reaching this population in equitable fashion. They need to modify what they're doing. Although 25% is good, for as a national statistic or compared to other places, but it still wasn't good enough for California. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you looked at other data related to tobacco for who had successfully quit, American Indians had some of the highest rates of um, having tried to quit and successful cessation. So there's, positive strengths going on Mm -hmm. around just that one example as well
0: as seeing the 25 percent yeah yeah do do they know was it additional support from family community they just were more successful our data couldn't describe um
1: why Mm -hmm. because these were like Um, epidemiologic studies cross point um, in time on surveys. But the guess would be that the statewide um, pro-health, you know, um, anti-tobacco use policies and environment of California was helpful Mm -hmm. to indigenous people living here, just like it was for others. But the success was extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's great. So there's stuff to mm-hmm. learn. You yeah. know, it's not
1: just always the, the negative. There's mm-hmm. so much to learn and, um, yeah. and um, support positive health from indigenous people who have lived here since time immemorial.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the knowledge is there. Yeah. yeah, and it's not individual behavior, but really wrapped up in these complex interactions between, as you said, the genocide, ethnocide policies, and individual Right. Behavior, so... Yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, that extraordinary um, flexibility Mm -hmm. and survival Mm -hmm. uh, of, you know, all Native people. And, of course, uh, California Indians, that's what is the tap into (laughs) through the provider. Looking to support families, individuals, and, um, you know, as you... When you have the opportunity to be a provider in Indian country, you really don't have to limit your thinking or yourself to individual patient-provider relationships, Mm -hmm. you really get to move into population-level health. And you have an entire community that has this ability to flex and move for the health and well-being of their community. They want that. Everyone has the same mission, right? Survive healthy, well Um, And they can adapt their local level policies and structure and program Mm -hmm. nimbly compared to other places that
0: you uh, might work in. Okay. That's great. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, you think about what happened and see some of the pieces that are missing. But to acknowledge it in this way, it makes the California Indian health system nimble. Yeah. Yeah. Agile. That's innovative. right. Yeah. <laughs> Agile,
1: innovative, not. It doesn't have to be slow bureaucratic mm-hmm. like, you know, some other <laughs> places. Yeah. yeah. And uh, once the needs are identified mm-hmm. and community is ready to set forth policy or programs to support some, you know, new health approach, they actually can do it. Like yeah. they just get to decide mm-hmm. and then move forward in that direction.
0: Yeah. I recall our episode on federal policies with Professor Cliff Trapser, and he mentioned that often doctors are not aware of the amount of coping that Native Americans carry when they come into the clinic. It's the burden of knowing that the genocide committed against their people was supported by institutions, that the removal of people from their lands, the continued erasure of their histories, and the ongoing disrespect for their lives. The weathering that Delight Satter talks about is evidence of the effects of this burden of oppression. There is a high effort of coping that takes its toll on the body. She also notes that weathering happens with black and other oppressed communities. So this is something to keep in mind as physicians go about their work with so many people. So in talking to some of the doctors and patients at Riverside San Bernardino County Indian Health, many of them were glad to have this knowledge. It put in context the high rates of disease that they see in the clinics, but it also made them think about screening practices. What kinds of early detection screening should be done? And what are the timeframes for that screening? Rather than telling patients that they're not exercising enough, or eating the wrong foods, and Delight does acknowledge, you know, that there are individual behaviors, but rather than focusing solely on that, what are the kinds of care that can be provided that reduce stress, that help reduce the level of coping that is required to get through each day? And then the other individual kinds of high-risk behaviors that we talk about will be ameliorated, will be reduced, as she shared in the study. It was also interesting to people who listened to this episode that individuals uh, at age 45 and older can be considered as elderly. This was new information. And so again, we can start asking questions about, can we have increased training in gerontology? She also raised the point about the strengths of the community. So what are strengths that we can draw on to provide better care for patients and for each other? And so while this is one of the shorter conversations, there was a lot of information that gives providers and patients good insights into what they're seeing while they work with Native communities and suggests paths that we can explore and go down that reduce the stress, reduce the oppression, and provide better care. Aloha for listening to Historical Wisdom. We trust that it will help you as you care for yourself and others. Additional wisdom and references about historical trauma and interviews can be found on our website at GOGM.live. Aloha to Sean Milanovich for sharing the opening and closing bird songs. The podcast was produced by Juliet McMullen and our chi Piyunk Enoch Steering Committee and edited by Catherine Rodriguez and Wyatt Kelly. Content was developed in conversations with community members and our Chihun Piyong Enach Steering Committee that include Sherry Salgado Luella Thornton Thornton Julie Andrews Holly Bronner Veronica Espinoza
1: Jonel John
0: Michelle Opsol
1: Dina Hughes
0: Catherine Rodriguez Ann Chini, Kendall Shamoy, Wyatt Kelly Sean Milanovic Amanda Marquez Laureen Sisqua Clifford Trapser Roseanne Rosenthal, and Jackie Spirit. The Historical Wisdom Podcast is funded through an, an Engagement Award from the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute. Aloha from the Chihun Piyunk Inach Project. www.gogm.live
1: Uh, ya wake up,
0: wake